Well, good evening. We're glad you're back with us for our second session of Better Together. If you remember, this series is about rediscovering the value of community in our faith. And we've been kind of homing out in the Psalms. And the Psalms have been the guidebook, the prayer book, the songbook of Israel and the church for about 3,000 years. Last time, if you remember, we looked at prayer, and we learned and we experienced how to pray the Psalms. Have you been doing that? If you, if you do it, I think you'll get into a, a, a habit and you'll find it enriching. Remember we said you read the Scripture, meditate on the Scripture, meaning think about it, savor it, turn it over in your mind, and then pray that Scripture in our situation and in our words. And let's make that a habit. Well, in this second session, we want to move on to the second element of the Psalms, and that is worship. And so Josh and the band and Cole have put together a time of teaching and a time of experiencing so that hopefully we'll look at worship a little differently. Let me pray for us, and we'll kick it off. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here. We pray that you would open our hearts to worship, open our minds to learn, and Father, I pray that we might leave here with a deeper heart for worship and a deeper practice to praise your name. In Christ's name, amen. I invite you to stand this evening as we sing these songs, these prayers together. Sing about the love of God this evening. to 
all God's people said, amen. What a great promise to sing about tonight. You may be seated. Well, thanks to Josh and the band for leading us in worship. And uh, when Josh leads especially, we realize that there's a lot of power in worship, especially when we talk about worship as music. There's a lot of power in that. And I want to prove that to you, but I'm going to need some audience participation here. So get ready. Finish this phrase for me. If you're happy and you know it. Come on, everybody. If you're happy and you know it. Why did you do that? What, what made you think if you're happy, you should clap your hands? Because that's what the song says to do. Music is amazingly powerful. In fact, for just a brief moment, I controlled all of your minds and even some of your hands with just seven words. Why is that? When's the last time you heard that song? For some of us, it's been a long time, but it immediately comes to our mind what we should do, what we should feel, how we should act. That's the power of music. I remember uh, there's, there's something amazing about music, especially when it's worship. I remember my great-grandmother, we call her Grandmommy, when she went to an assisted living center, she, she was a great uh, piano player, a great organist in the church, and she would go in the common room and she would begin to play old hymns on the piano. And what happened was amazing. People from every corner of the building would come into the common room. And some of these people in memory care couldn't hold a conversation with their loved ones anymore. But they knew the words to those songs. And immediately you could see a change come over these people because they remembered something. They felt a certain way. They were back to the way things used to be. That's the power of music, the power of worship. God has designed us so that we operate as praising beings. We love to praise. If you go about an hour north or south of here on any Saturday in the fall, you will experience praise in a football stadium. Or if you go to the Chesapeake Arena for somebody like Garth Brooks, maybe, you praise for hours and hours and hours on end. We were made to praise, and a lot of the way that we praise is worship. And that's not a, that's not a coincidence. In the first line in the Bible that we see a human speak, when God creates the whole universe and he takes man and he puts him in the garden, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates woman, and when he brings woman to man and he wakes up from his sleep, the first thing that he does is sing. He sings at last. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He thanks God in a song for what God has done for him. It's the first time we hear human speech, and it's the first time we see worship in the Bible. But there's actually something better than that going on. Because we were made to be worshiping beings, whenever we sing and whenever we praise God, it's not just about what we're doing for God. Worship is actually something that begins to transform us. 
When we sing, when we learn hymns, when we sing songs, when we worship God by reading His Word, something actually begins to change inside of us. Eugene Peterson put it this way. He says, Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. If we were to provide a definition for worship, it would be simple. Loving God with all of your heart. That's what it means to worship. You remember Jesus says, the commandment is to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. It's this comprehensive vision for our lives. And worship is loving God with our hearts, with our affections. Something about worship cultivates and realigns and trains our hearts and our feelings to do what they were designed to do. And as you probably guessed, because where we are in this series, the greatest tool we have to learn how to worship is the Psalms. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open, or if you want to look on your note page, we're going to be in Psalms 42 and 43 tonight. And I want to talk about three ways that the Psalms help us to worship. Or in another way, three ways that the Psalms help us to love God with a whole heart. The first way that this happens is the Psalms show us that God cares about our emotions. God cares about our emotions. There's two opposites that tend to make their way around the church when it comes to emotions. First is that emotions are unwelcome. And I don't know where this came from. Maybe you have a background like mine. You grew up in kind of a high church setting, and it was like emotions should not be seen or heard. It's like God loves to be worshipped with stoic faces, up and down on kneelers, but not showing any sign of happiness or joy. But however this got into the church, sometimes we feel like there are certain feelings that aren't allowed in the Christian life, and especially not when you're at church. The reverse of this is sometimes we think no emotions other than happiness are allowed in church. Next week, we're going to spend some time talking about lament, the biblical place of, of being upset with God. But the first thing that, that, that comes about when we talk about emotions is that they're unwelcome. But there's actually another poll that's gotten really popular, and that is that emotions are unchangeable. Sometimes the reaction to growing up in a church that didn't welcome emotions is now we think that emotions are completely unchangeable. You can't help the way you feel. There's a really popular uh, movement that spends a lot of time talking about this. And I was sorting through some blogs. I mean, you, you can find a blog to justify anything on the internet today, but I was looking through some blogs and I found a really helpful summary of this. Instead of thinking that emotions are unwelcome or unchangeable, what the Bible presents is that emotions are meant to be fully felt and fully surrendered. So emotions are both welcome and changeable because God has designed us to feel emotions fully and to surrender them fully. It's not a sin to feel a certain way in the Bible. In fact, one of the things that the Psalms opens our eyes to is there is a whole spectrum of emotions that are biblical. The writers in the Psalms feel everything from the most triumphant joy to the most terrible and hopeless sadness. And as one person put it, the Bible shows us that it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. The biblical picture is we can come to God with any emotion but we have to surrender it to Him. 
In a great book on the emotions, Chip Dodd, in the, the Voice of the Heart, he pictures the emotions like a tree. We talked about this last week. A fully fruitful and growing and thriving tree is what we're after. Psalm 1 tells us that the person who meditates on the law of the Lord is like a tree that's planted and blooms in every season. But imagine that the roots of the tree, if the tree is our heart, are our feelings and needs and desires and hopes, our expectations of what we hold God to. Chip Dodd says the only way to have a flourishing heart, the only way to have a flourishing tree, is when the roots are able to grow down into the soil and foundation of God's Word. Only then can the heart really begin to thrive. God cares about our emotions. And if you read the Psalms and you don't have any emotional reaction, you're not doing it right. This is a call from God to treasure and value what we feel most deeply. Secondly, one of the things the psalm does for us is it provides emotional templates for us. This is one of the coolest things about the psalms is it's people's words to God, but since they're biblical, they're inspired words from the Holy Spirit. And so you get this double phenomenon of people expressing their thoughts to God in a way that's inspired by the Spirit. So we actually have God's words that we should be saying back to Him. It's almost as if God has provided little tracks, well-worn tracks for us emotionally in the Psalms. Psalm 42 and 43 do this especially well. If you've noticed, uh, and if you read this Psalm before, you realize that 42 and 43 are actually part of one long Psalm. So in the Jewish Bible, 42 and 43 are the same, and it throws off all the Psalms after that. So in the English translations, they're usually split up because then you'd have only 149 psalms, and that would be a disaster. So Psalm 42 and 43, we're going to treat as one psalm, and the reason that we know this is true is because it has a chorus three times. Look at verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Then we see again in verse 11, why are you downcast, O my soul? And then again in 43, verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? What's going on in this psalm? Well, one of the things about the psalms that we know is that the psalms are like standing and watching a really godly person follow God. It's almost as if we get a behind-the-scenes look at somebody who's walked with God for a long time, and we get to imitate them. Peterson says, a psalm is not a lecture. We don't treat it like a lecture. It's a song. In a psalm, we have observable evidence of what happens when a person of faith goes about the business of believing and loving and following God. We don't have a rule book defining the action. We have a snapshot of players playing the game. It's almost like watching a great athlete it's better to just watch them play than to have them sit down and tell you exactly what to do when you're on the field. So we as Christians get to watch. We get to witness. We get to see from their view what it looks like to follow God with your whole heart. This one is particularly interesting because we get a glimpse of this psalmist's self-talk. That's what this guy is doing. He's having this dialogue with God in his head. And we get to watch it. 
He starts out in a, in a famous verse, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before Him? There's a battle raging in this psalmist's mind. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes a great comment. He says what this man's really doing is instead of allowing his self to talk to him, he begins talking to himself. Why are you downcast, he asked. His soul has been depressing him and crushing him. So finally, he stands up and says, Self, listen for a minute. I'm about to speak to you. In the chorus of this psalm, what we see is somebody who's struggling with depression. He's struggling feeling abandoned. He's struggling feeling like he's never going to be where he wants to be spiritually. And he rises up three times in this psalm and says, no, that's not what I know to be true about God. No, actually, I know that I will again praise God. I know that God is steadfast. And he argues with himself. That's a biblical thing. We know at the end of this psalm that whatever happens, this psalmist simply will not let go of God because he understands that God will never let go of him. In the psalms, what we get are these templates. It's okay to start anywhere on the emotional spectrum. And then the psalms say, this is what surrendering your emotions looks like biblically. So the psalms show us that God cares about our emotions They show us what it looks like to have an emotional template to follow. And then lastly, the Psalms build emotional muscle memory for us. So muscle memory is when you do something that you don't necessarily know why you did it. Like like saying, clap your hands. When I said, if you're happy and you know it. Most of us don't think about that. Like, what do you do when you're happy? No, you just know. You clap your hands. That's how the song goes. We've developed muscle memory for that. And what the Psalms do, if you spend enough time in the Psalms, they develop a spiritual muscle memory. Oh, I, I, I know what to do when I feel this way. I, I know what's true about God when I'm thinking these thoughts. I know how this song ends because I've read it in God's Word. And one of the ways to think about this, maybe one framework we've provided for you guys on your card, and we're going to challenge you to, to practice that later, But one of the ways to do this is to say, when I feel this way, then I'm going to do this because I know that God is this. Let me give a couple examples from this psalm. When I feel alone, then I remember all that God has done for me because I remember that God is never going to leave me or forsake me. That's a muscle memory we want to build. When I feel alone, I trust God because he's trustworthy. When I feel worn out, then I rest in Christ's finished work for me because I know that God is most strong when I am most weak. That's Christian muscle memory. When I feel joyful and on top of the world, I give thanks and credit to God because I know that those who love God never lack any good thing. Part of our Christian life is discipling our emotions. We spend a lot of time thinking about changing our actions. We spend a lot of time thinking about changing our beliefs. But the Bible says we also have a role for our emotions to play in our sanctification. As you grow to be more like Christ, the way you feel follows biblical channels. 
Like those people my grandmommy used to play for, we hear the tune and we know where our emotion's going to lead. We may feel lost. We may not understand anything else. We may be totally spiritually disoriented. But once we get on that track that we've practiced day after day after day after day, we know exactly where we're going emotionally. This is what all the great hymns, all the ones that have stood the test of time, do this. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. When I feel tempted, when I despair, I look to Christ because he made an end of all my sin. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Really great worship trains our emotions. As we sing, God actually does something in our hearts to create pathways to him. In a minute, we're going to sing another song. And as the band comes up, I want to just preface this. So in this series, what, what our goal is, is to spend some time worshiping and to spend some time teaching and to spend some time practicing. So last week we worshiped and we talked about prayer and then we actually prayed. This week we're doing worship twice because this week is on worship. But the first time you didn't know what we were doing. That was just regular worship. This, this is educated worship here. We're going to actually practice with our emotions as we worship. So what, what we want you to do as we sing is we want you to think what kind of feeling is manifest in this song? What is this training me to, to feel? And when I feel that way, what should I do? And what should I believe? We're going to sing a song called Come to the Altar. And, it, and it, it follows this pattern perfectly. It says, are you hurting and broken within? Do you feel like you're overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling says, when you feel ashamed and you feel distant and you feel not good enough for God, that's not the moment to run from God. That's, that's the moment that God is calling to you. What are you going to do? This song trains us that when we feel distant is actually when Jesus is drawing near. And so we come to the altar. Let me pray for us before we worship. Father, help us now. Lord, as we look into your word and as, as we begin to try and practice this, Lord, reassure us of the things that are true about you. Lord, help us to know that our feelings are welcome. Or whatever they might be, Lord, you're not surprised and you're not upset and you're not disappointed. Lord, it's okay for us to come and, and, and lay down before you and say, this is where I am. And Father, we thank you that you never... Let us stay there. Lord, help us now as we worship to remember the things that you've called us to, to trust in your promises. Lord, help us to build great muscle memory emotionally as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. 
have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with our Savior. Oh, come. 
about Jesus Transfixed on Jesus. 
Can we just praise his name right now just by clapping and thanking him for the beautiful God that he is. God's doing some stuff in me tonight. He reminded me of this verse that I, I read when I was a young, brand new Christian, and it's just always stuck with me. Psalm 100 says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. I love this verse because no matter the situation in life that we're walking through, we can find joy because of him, because of the hope that we have in Jesus. And it's such an interesting perspective for me when I get to stand on a stage. In fact, we call it a platform um, because stages are for, for performance, but platforms are for influence. So when I stand on a platform here at Crossings, I can look out and I can see you all worshiping. And a lot of times I have this incredible privilege to get to know your story. And when I can look out and see somebody going um, through a tough time, I know their story, but they have no choice but to just worship God and say, in Christ alone, my hope is found. You are my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, and he's firm through the fiercest drought and storms. I love it. I love getting to look out, and it just fills my soul, and it encourages me. So I just want to say thank you to you um, for being such an honest church in your faith in your expression of worship. Um, I love this church and I love getting to do what I do. And um, I wish you could be on this side of things because it's such a unique perspective to get to be a part of what happens when we worship God and lift up his name. We're gonna sing two more songs. And I'd love to just pray right now, just everybody just bow and, and close your eyes and just allow your heart to just be connected to his. God, I pray that you would bring us back to the heart of worship. And when we sing, it is so much more than just a song. So God, I pray that you would be with us, that your spirit would just be on the move in this place and working in our hearts. God, we love you and we have a reason to sing tonight no matter the circumstance or the situation we're going through. God, we are so thankful for you and the beautiful God that you are. Tonight, we worship you through song and prayer. God, may these words not just be just air and words that fall out of our mouths, God, but may they come from our hearts because we're convicted and we believe that you are a God who loves us. So God, we worship you tonight.
that I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. It's all about you, Jesus. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. It's all about you, Jesus. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. It's all about you, Jesus. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. It's all about
this is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of christ i stand here in the power of christ i stand yes, we do. We don't want you to leave your worship here. We want you to take it with you. It's not confined to this time. It's not confined to this place. It goes with you. Worship is taking the feelings God gave us and giving them back to Him. I want you to take several of these cards. They're beautiful cards. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Allison, for serving us in this way. Take several of these and fill them out and put them where you can see them to remind us that it's okay to feel whatever we feel and then surrender that to God in worship. And I know what mine is going to say. In my reading this morning, so I'm reading through my Bible, I was in Isaiah chapter 57. And in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 11, it's God speaking to the Israelites, and they're, they're in trouble. And they're pressed hard on every side. And he says this, What made you so afraid that you did not remember me? What made you so afraid that you did not remember me? And I don't know about you, but when I feel afraid, when I feel anxious, then I remember God because I know God is bigger than any circumstance in my life and that's worship giving God back the emotions that he has given to us take it with you this week and worship wherever you are let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you that it's okay for us to feel joy and anxiety and fear and praise and anger and that you allow us to feel those feelings and express them and father give them back to you because we know you are the one who loves us deeply we know you take all the things that we offer to you and you train our hearts to respond to you father draw us near to you in our minds in our hearts and in our hands we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.